Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep, and more. How are you going, folks? 2022 did not really start the way we were all hoping. Instead of being able to settle in and finally start to plan for the future, and by future, I mean playdates on the weekend, everything was thrown out the window. So how are you feeling? Amy Taylor-Kabaz is an author and matrescence expert who has an online community of mothers from around the world. And she says, mums are just plain exhausted. Hi, Amy. I I dread to say, how are you? Because I think we're all feeling the same way. But how are you, love? I actually think we should be asking that question more because usually we say, hi, how are you? And everyone just says, fine. And there's not much honesty or real check-in, but I actually think we need to be asking that question even more right now, especially with how we're all feeling at the start of this year. Yeah. And also when it's when you say it to another mum, I've got a school mum and she said to me one day, how are you going? And I was like, you know what? I'm a bit frazzled. I'm a bit, you know, and she's like, oh my God, me too. And all it took was like a five minute at the school gate, quick download of how we both felt completely shattered. And I felt so much better afterwards. Like I wasn't kind of pulling each other down. It actually was like, oh, okay, I'm not alone. But Siobhan, I've been talking to mums for more than a decade about the realities of how we experience motherhood. And what I have heard from literally thousands of women is, oh, really? I'm not the only one that's feeling like this. We're allowed to say (laughs) that it's hard. We're allowed to say that I love my children, but I also miss my old life. It really is. There is great healing in honestly sharing we're not doing so great right now. This isn't what I hoped it would be. Actually, I'm struggling. And we don't actually need much more from each other than that in the beginning. We just need to acknowledge that this is really hard and it's been going on for a really long time. And let's be honest about what that feels like. Instead of pretending, here we go, it's another year. No, we're allowed to say this has been hard. And it's such an interesting way to start the year because we normally do come back feeling refreshed. And I did have a lovely break, a lovely staycation, um, but it's something about the in- continued instability. Like we know that kids need stability and certainty to feel safe, um, but I'm wondering how it's making parents or the parents you're in touch with feel like what are they feeling like when that kind of stability is hard to find because you may have had a holiday but then you come back and everything's still up in the air yeah I think it actually makes me quite emotional because I have experienced firsthand the effect of the instability on my children over the last 12 to 18 months and seeing how hard it has been for them to not know if school's starting, to not know if they can have a birthday party, to continuously having our flights to see family interstate cancelled. It's been so difficult and challenging to be the steady force in their life because that is really, they're looking at you to say, 
I know this is hard. I know our plans have changed again, but we're going to be okay. Whereas internally, I'm feeling just as unsteady and rattled and uncertain about what this is and when it's going to change as they are. And Mm. that's why we're so exhausted, Jeff. We are so tired because we have been trying to put on this put on this uh, confidence for them that, yes, this is a really scary time. We've never been through this before. I know how hard it is that you can't have a birthday party again. I know yes. how hard it is that we're not sure if school's going to start in a few weeks again. And so we're trying to hold this place that we know they need but we don't feel ourselves. And can you just feel how exhausting that is to almost Mm. be pretend strong mode every day when internally you may not be feeling that yourself? Yeah. And, you know, the thing about this time round, and I know we're speaking in Sydney and different parts of Australia have um, experienced the pandemic differently and in particular Melbourne I'm thinking of those parents in Victoria who just had endless lockdowns. I feel like up until now I've been able to make it feel a bit novel. Um, I've been kind of like, oh, this is all, you know, it's just a one-off. We're going to be okay. Worst things have happened. Um, But like you said, it's the second time around saying maybe no holiday, maybe no birthday party, maybe no school. That's what I think is compounding it all now. Um, It's just that repetition. It is. And in part of the work that I do with mamas around the world, we talk a lot about our emotions and how to really feel them and not try and silence them, pretending that we are okay, put on that mask of motherhood and the smile and the Instagram post saying, it's fine, just another day at home, you know, homeschooling with Play-Doh or whatever it is, to really try and tap into what the truth is underneath. And part of that is looking at the emotional scale. So emotions can be considered on a scale from the lowest of the low to the highest of the high. And the very lowest emotion we can feel as a human being is despair. And despair's description is, I do not feel any hope that tomorrow will be different. And when it... it, literally makes me emotional saying this because when I check in with all of these divine parents, they are feeling that. They are starting to question, I don't know if I can hope that tomorrow will be any different. I don't know if this term will be any different. I don't know if this holiday plan that I'm booking for August 2022 (laughs) is even going to happen. I mean, we all have this to some extent, some of us more than others, but there is a despair, this Mm. feeling of, I don't know if tomorrow will be any better. And that is what we need to acknowledge because that is a, I don't want to be melodramatic and say it's a dangerous emotion because it's not, but it needs to be acknowledged, otherwise it can be. Like we have to be able to say, I'm struggling to feel hopeful about this right now. What can I do about it? Because if we don't, then it ends up affecting us in many different ways. And that's why I'm talking about post-pandemic depletion, because there's this acknowledgement we have to have that, okay, hopefully let's move out of despair and into hope. Let's hope that, say, in a few months' time, we're finally through this and things do start feeling better. We're not just going to bounce out of this. 
Mm. This has been a two-year process that has really drained us on many levels. And just when the kids finally go back to school and everything starts to, to return to whatever new normal we're going to have, we can't just pretend, whew, that's over, we're moving on. We actually have to acknowledge what this has done to us physically, mentally, and I would say spiritually or emotionally because this has been huge. We do this to mothers post-birth. We assume they bounce back at a certain point and everything goes back to normal and it never does. And we also can't assume that there'll be some point where we're all just going to bounce back to who we used to be after this. This has changed us. We have to acknowledge that and look at it properly, holistically and honestly, so we can actually heal and then, yes, be hopeful and happy and book those holidays with confidence again. It's so interesting you say that because I, like I said, I think up until this point, I've been very blasé about the challenges because my way of getting through things has always been heads down, bums up and don't, you know, just get through it. And then when you're on the other side, you can relax. So just steam on ahead. And homeschooling was kind of part of that. I put in routines and I, I just worked through it. And I did feel that when we came out on the other side, I'm like, oh, well, that was that and it's in the past now and we're on to a new chapter and different uncertainties and all the rest of it. But one thing I did notice that has um, unsettled and upset me is I have much less patience for my kids than I did pre-pandemic, I think. And hearing you say that, you know, it has changed us, we need to acknowledge that, you often don't know how that's going to show up, do you? So it's not that I'm necessarily feeling tired on a physical level, but I'm feeling tired on an emotional level in terms of um, having that space to be patient with my children. Um, and that's really important to me that I have that. And it's so understandable why you don't. <laughs> it's so understandable why you don't. You know, let me just sort of flesh out this idea about a post-pandemic depletion. So Many of your listeners might know the work of Dr. Oscar Serilak, who uh, quite a while ago, quite a few years ago, through his work at his clinic in Byron Bay, and I believe you've interviewed him at some stage, Siobhan, around this, mm -hmm. he began to see this depletion uh, in women's physical and mental well-being well after the postpartum period was meant to, according to the textbooks, be done. You know, it was this lethargy, it was this this hypervigilance, being wired and but not being able to sleep. It was this difficulty concentrating, it was anxiety, it was poor memory, it was the loss of libido, it was this low immune system that where you just kind of kept getting these small little colds over and over again. But it was also this intense exhaustion. And as you said, almost this short temper, this sort of lack of patience or ability to cope that a sleep didn't seem to fix, a holiday didn't fix, a yoga class didn't fix, a massage didn't fix. This is why, just a little side note, our messaging to mothers of, you know, you just need more self-care doesn't work because a pedicure is not going to acknowledge the depletion that comes from being in this place of extreme demands on you that comes yeah. with newborns and pregnancy. So if we take those symptoms, those definitions of what postnatal depletion looks like and use them to then look at how we're feeling post-pandemic or actually while we're still in the pandemic, 
this is what I'm hearing from all of these women, all of these parents, is this hypervigilance. I'm wired, but I can't sleep at night. There's difficulty concentrating, this anxiety of what's going to happen tomorrow and how am I going to do this, this loss of libido, this loss of joy, this loss of energy, little, you know, worsening health conditions that might have already been there. But as we said before, also just this sense of when is this going to change, like waking up every day and feeling that sense of, oh, here we go again. Mm. And that is a depletion that, you know, really has to be addressed differently. And what Dr. Serilak showed us is that this needs to be approached in a very holistic way. We need to look at, you know, the depletion of vitamins and minerals. We need to have a look at the support system around a mother. So, you know, to, to overcome that depletion, we need to look at where are the babies sitting? Where are the help? Where is the help at home? Where is the support in food and meals and um, play dates? Like, how can we take this off her shoulders so her body can do what it's meant to, which is heal over time and rejuvenate? And I really think that at the moment we have a global <laughs> level. <laughs> Of depletion, especially in mothers. I don't want to be stereotypical here or gendered, but the main carer of the children, especially in that main carer who had to juggle and balance it all and do the homeschooling and try and keep on top of everything, there is a level of depletion here that's going to need a holistic approach is going to need, yes, vitamins and minerals and and the right foods and the right supplements and the right sleep and the right exercise and the right movement. But it's also going to have to be around the space to get her thoughts or their thoughts together again, the right support. Because when you think about it, it blows my mind how much women or families that have had children in the last two years weren't even allowed to have their grandparents come past and help out. Yeah. You know, all of those support systems that are there when we have our children, usually I remember, you know, my oldest is 14, so thank goodness I never had babies in this period, but my mother-in-law would take my older kids when my babies were born so that I could have that space. You know, we'd yeah. have neighbours and support and in-laws and extended family um, all of that in place. Not everybody has that, but at least we have access to it if we want. Whereas in the last two years, totally and completely isolated, whether you have babies, toddlers, or school age kids, doing this on your own, all on you. That is why we're starting this year feeling like, you're kidding me, here we go again. (laughs) I don't want to be more negative. We'll talk about what we do about this in a moment. But I also think, as you said with that school mum at the start of this conversation, there's power in us being honest about this. There's power in us saying it's not meant to be like this. It shouldn't have been like this. We're not meant to parent in a vacuum on our own like this. We're not meant to try and keep our jobs and pay our mortgage and school our kids. This isn't the way it's meant to be. So you're allowed to be tired and probably a little bit annoyed and a little bit frustrated and a little bit short-tempered. You're allowed to feel that right now. And uh, something else I think in that conversation, what you mentioned there, is coming to the end of a really intense period and then giving yourself time to take time, if that makes sense. So 
even in that staycation that I had when I was at home, I was so unsettled for about a week because I was at home, but I didn't need to work and homeschool at the same time, which, as you said, is a completely ridiculous situation. But I found it really hard just to sit down and 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 just relax. Mm-hmm. And that is an ingredient that has been missing for those that period of time that I think generally sometimes mums struggle with. I know I do. But actually acknowledging that to rest and to just be, whether that's reading a book or having a bath or just doing nothing, not producing anything, not setting up dates for your kids or making lunches or whatever it might be, that is just a fundamental thing that you can do and you don't need to make excuses for it. I don't know if that resonates with you at all, Amy. It really does. Um, As you know, through my work, the number one thing I think we need most in this season of our life is space to process how we're changing and what we're going through and how we're parenting, but also what it means for us. And are we still happy with where we're heading? And is this the work I want to be doing? Is this working for us? All of those big check-in questions. But And as you know, because we've done this together for many, many years, I'm a massive, massive advocate for meditation and space to really process what you've been through. But can I, can I be totally honest here, Chev, and say, My meditation practice has never been more important. Please don't uh, assume that I'm changing my story around that. I could (laughs) not have done the last 12 months without that practice in the mornings. And now my children are a bit older. I I have this guaranteed space every morning because they all sleep in um, (laughs) that I get this little space to, to really connect with myself and connect with my breath and figure out how am I feeling and what do I most need today? But the thing that has actually changed my experience of the last two years more than anything now that that meditation practice is so strong and steady is trying to have some more fun. Yeah. It is has been life-changing to realise how serious and heavy everything is in my life all of the time. Mm. And actually the greatest self-care practice I've brought into my life, especially over the last 12 months, is trying to give myself a break and have a bit of fun instead. Like, okay, I have an hour without kids. The old Amy would be like, well, I'm going to read that book and I'm going to journal and I'm going to meditate and I'm going to go for a run and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that because I have one hour and I need to feel good and I need to reconnect with myself and make sense of all of this and all of that. and as I've said a number of times, don't get me wrong, that is so important. Yes. But also, where is the hour of nothing but fun, of joy, Mm. of Mm. dancing and laughing and doing things that just feel good, that don't have a purpose, that don't need to be written about, that don't need to be ticked off a list. I found that, especially with endless lockdowns, it was this sense of freedom, of fun, of adventure, of, of just that spontaneous energy that we have all lost because of this pandemic. We've lost our ability to just, I don't know, go to the pub, 
um, you know, jump on a train into the city and whatever it is that you wanted to do, have a dinner party, catch up with girlfriends and wear your sex in the city high heels that you haven't pulled out of the back of the wardrobe for a decade. <laughs> like all of those little parts I found, Siobhan, were the parts that I was grieving more than ever yeah. was this free space that we have lost as parents in a pandemic, being locked inside for so long. So I think if you're going into this year, can you think about some lightness, some fun, some joy, some, I don't know, wild activities? Like can you have a crazy night of dancing again? Can you, even if it's around your own kitchen table, can you and your partner connect in ways that you used to and you haven't been able to? Can you just not worry about the house for a day and let it be a mess and instead stay up until 1am talking to a girlfriend on the phone with a glass of wine in your hands? Like I really feel that we need to reclaim those parts of ourselves after these two years because it has been so heavy so hard and so restrictive so Mm. where can we open up and have fun again I like starting on that one but let's also talk about um, any tips you might have for dealing with that exhaustion that's come after two years of uncertainty and heading into another year of uncertainty as you mentioned we are that force for our kids. We're trying to be steady and sure for them. What are some things that we can do to sort of, like you said, firstly acknowledge that it's been tough and that we're tired, but then how do you move on from that? Yes, I think it's really important to have a place or space where you can vent, where you can be honest away from those who rely on you, like your children. You know, perhaps it's a particular girlfriend, a sister, um, might be your partner, might, may not be. Um, I know in the communities that I hold, those places are often where these women come and say, oh, my gosh, this is so hard, I, don't, I can't believe it, where they get to feel their anger or feel their exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done a lot of practices together around, you know, being in a, in a place where you can actually feel the anger in your body and move it. So first of all, I want to say that to overcome that level of exhaustion and depletion, um, first it kind of has to come to the surface, if that makes sense. Um, we are very good as women in particular of continually pushing it down. And as you said, just keep on going until we get to the other side. Um, and I think we actually need to pause and actually bring it right up to the surface and say, this is how I'm feeling today. I'm really angry at this. I'm really frustrated. I really don't want to be a mum today. And find a place where that's okay to say without judgment. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for a lot of people, that is a place where they are not very well known. So that's why, you know, places like online closed Facebook groups, communities, those types of places um, can be really powerful because you're not worried that your best friend of 30 years will start judging you or that the school friends will see it or anything like that. So really try and find a place where you can feel it and be okay with it. Mm. And then it's about um, slowly rebuilding. So when we think about the postpartum period 
and especially those first 40 days post-birth. So, um, you know, ancient wisdom and modern medicine shows us that if we are able to rest and receive what we most need in those 40 days, it will affect the next 40 years of our health, which is where this postnatal depletion idea has really come from is that if we put the right support in place for those 40 days, the next 40 years will be different. But if you look at what's put in place in those 40 days, it's a lot of nourishment on all levels. So this is nourishment through foods. So this is not food that is hard to digest. It is not food that is quick and fast. It's slow. It's nutrient-dense. It's nourishing. It makes you feel full, you know. It's just making me feel better talking about it, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking about lunch. I don't know about you. (laughs) I know. It's that time of the day for us. Also, let's, you know, if we want to get really practical here, let's think about the clothes, your surroundings, Do your surroundings feel nourishing? Can you light candles? Can you put oils? Can you uh, wear clothes that aren't too tight and are a bit softer? Can you let yourself pamper yourself in the way that you uh, move through your day? This may not sound important, but when we have a wired nervous system, which is what we all have because of the uncertainty, that we need to send our physical senses this feeling of safety and warmth and security. And so even just little things like sipping a really beautiful herbal tea in the early afternoon, you know, putting music on in the house that feels really nourishing, wearing clothes that make you feel really good, you know, that not necessarily the comfy daggy stuff but the really lovely, beautiful, nourishing clothes. And then um, really trying to structure your day around acknowledging that everybody's energy is very flat or acknowledging that everyone might need a bit more rest than than you think that they should have, really being conscious around what does my family need right now and what do I need right now. There was a practice I started many, many, many years ago when I first tried to look at how I was coping with the reality of motherhood that I struggled with so so much with at first and it was just this check-in every morning I would do with closing my eyes it was usually a baby on my boob still or something like that and it just took a few minutes and I'd close my eyes and just take a few breaths and then I'd really check in with each of the members of my family so I'd check in with my eldest daughter what does she need today and I'd kind of just wait and feel into it and I realized that actually she's feeling really sensitive and overwhelmed So perhaps that that big party we had planned tonight might not be the best thing for her. What does my middle child need today? Well, she's my social butterfly and so she actually does need the party. So how am I going to be able to manage that with her that's not going to overwhelm her sister? Mm. You know, and I'd check in with my husband and then eventually I would check in with myself. And I think this is what is needed because this depletion and exhaustion We're so trained as modern human beings to be focused on productivity and if we set a plan for today, we need to stick with it. 
You know, mm. cancelling things is not the done thing. Saying I'm too tired to see you today, I'm sorry, is, is rude. You know, we, we're so trained in uh, keep on going no matter what, no matter what our body says and no matter what our children's bodies are saying. And I think coming out of this period, um, we're going to need to be a lot more accommodating of each other's emotional and physical needs. You know, if you're just not feeling confident going into crowds yet, say it. I'm just not ready to go to that event yet. I've checked in with my kids and actually they're really overwhelmed because they haven't been in a face-to-face classroom for a really long time and we're just not going to be able to make the birthday party. You know, we have to really be honest about how we're feeling first with ourselves and then hopefully with each other and give each other this compassion and understanding that says, I just can't. It's been a lot for me and today I actually need to rest. I'm sorry to let you down. I'll see you tomorrow instead. You know, wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to do that? Oh, it would. Amy, you know I could talk to you all day, but I... I know. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> we, could just, we could just have a podcast for 24 hours. Uh, <laughs> yes, and that please. Would be great for great for parents everywhere. But um, I will direct uh, parents to your website because a lot of those online communities you talked about, you do offer for people. So I highly recommend that. But Amy, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, it was a pleasure and such a great and important conversation. I hope it's provided a little reassurance for everyone listening and a reminder that you're allowed to feel the way you're feeling, but we will get through this. We'll just be honest and support each other and we'll rise through this. Thank you. Mm, Well, you make me feel better anyway. (laughs) That's that's Amy Taylor-Kabaz. She is an author and matrescence expert and she has a website. I'll put links to it in the notes of this episode. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us so we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, send your email to feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.